Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network, a station dedicated to the concept that all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. Join Reverend Terry Power HP, Robin McKean, and all the hosts for programming covering a wide range of spiritual topics, right here on Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Voice of Olympus. Today we have our crossover with Pride of Olympus, and we'll be adventuring beyond the Empyrean, which in ancient Greek talk means uh, beyond um, the firmaments of our planet. Um, And I'm greatly honored to announce that tonight I pass my mantle of host to Admiral Bob Vossler, commander of the USS Challenger. Uh, and he will be interviewing Maria Dutilli of the USS Stella Pirata. So we have two Federation starships uh, in Olympian uh, airspace. Another first. Greetings and welcome, Admiral Bob Bossler. Thank you once again, Hercules. I am so thrilled, and I am uh, I am pleased that you have the faith in me to uh, to carry on and in, in, uh, carry the torch. Uh, and it's an exciting night tonight because we'll be talking a lot about uh, Star Trek Picard just coming up in a few days. That is awesome. I hand the mantle over to you, and I look forward uh, to hearing the conversation uh, between you and your fellow Starfleet officer. Thank you, and thank you for your faith in me. It is not misplaced. So, Maria, are you here? I want to. Uh, I am here. You. I am here from Maria. Pittsburgh. <laughs> I am happy you're with me. Thank you for agreeing to be my my uh, my first guest. I, I didn't realize I was going to be, uh, you know, take it on as, as host. But uh, I'm 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 up for the Surprise. excitement. <laughs> hey, let's start off with uh, telling us uh, telling everybody a little bit about you. Here. I am the captain of the USS Stella Parada, 
Um, we actually have been um, in the Pittsburgh area for 15 years. It was about a few months ago that we changed our name. Like, like kind of we went through a rebranding time. Uh, time. And so we, we used to be the Inferno, but now we're the Stella Prada. That's um, Latin for um, Star Pirate. Um, we, you know, we wanted to tie something into, like, the community being from Pittsburgh. And I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, the Pittsburgh Pirate, like, you know, like name, name our ship after the pirate. So, you know, have a little tie-in with the community. Um, I've been a member of the um, of Starfleet International for past nine years. I was a member on the um, Inferno for like a good majority of it. Um, went over to the Venture. Hey, shout out to the Venture, uh, fellow West um, West of PA chapter. Um, there's the Venture and also the Solstice. We've got to give a shout out to the Solstice. We make up the West Fleet out here in Western PA. Um, and, uh, you know, then I came back to become captain of now the Della Parada. So, kind of like my fandom, I have been, as for how long I've been a fan of Star Trek in general, I have been a fan since I was the age of like three years old. That was like some of my <laughs> earliest uh, memories because I remember watching Captain Kirk like uh, in the captain's chair because uh, both my parents are Star Trek fans which they so happened to recently join Starfleet International I, I know, join. I now they're having, the they're having a great time shout out to the USS Rickoven uh, the Rick Coven I'm sorry the Rick Coven um, shout out to the Maryland ship um, where they are having a blast you know, like um, being part of, of that ship and uh, like getting to, do, to know Star Trek people, you know, because they got That's to see the fun that I have in Starfleet International. Like, okay, well, let's go out and let's try it. So That is so cool. They're keeping it right yeah. in the family. And um, then when you visit them, as you did, you visited them and you visited – one of the Rick Tobin uh, events that they went to. So that's, uh, that's Yeah, the neat. Rick Tobin, yeah. I went to, and that just so happened to be my parents' very first event. So, you know, it was like, yeah, you know, like, because uh, I got to meet some of the Rick Tobin people from the conference um, back mm-hmm. in October. And so I was like, hey, you know, they're, they're good people. Like, go check them out. And they're, they're, they're happy that they're part of it now. So. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Well, now that brings us to just a few days away from what I think is probably one of the biggest Star Trek events in about 18 years. Because although we've had a new series, we've had Uh um, a series of new movies on the big screen, a whole new universe uh, and timeline. Um, After all these, you know, a lot of sequels, I mean prequels rather, uh, we're finally going to, to see the next chapter in the uh, 24th century. Actually, you know, and I was reminded today, it's actually Star Trek Picard is set in the very last year of the 24th century. So we'll actually, you know, I guess uh, since we already know Star Trek Picard is going to have another season, if if, mm-hmm. they, if the events take place within a year's time of the first season and they actually go another year, that means... You know, um, much like Buck Rogers, will be in the 25th century. So, um, right. I think this is an exciting time for fandom. Uh, we very much so. Go, very much go so. Forward. We get to see some answers to questions that we have. Where, you know, as far as fandom goes, you know, we're going to get to see some new 
uniforms. Um, Wayne and I are already chopping at the bit to see what these gray admiral uniforms look like. Uh, I've already <laughs> fallen in love with the the black uniform that Picard will have a you know has apparently will have worn during his period before leaving Starfleet. And I and, and just just for full disclosure, everyone, there will be some. Spoilers here. So if you're afraid of spoilers, you there, know, we'll there try will not be to... a couple spoilers because I did read the first two comics of Countdown. So there will be spoilers. Yes, I saw that, and you're one up on me because I went to my uh, two of my local comic book sh- shops, um, and unfortunately, um, not, they were all gone. So obviously, I needed to yeah, get there. Um, early. What you can do is go to Amazon and get um, the digital copy. They're selling them. Okay. And, yeah, and because I had to get issue one digital, and then I was able to get issue two from my local comic book store. And issue three comes out January 29th. Awesome. Awesome. Yes. And and I and for those who saw the Star Trek shorts, and I got to watch them the other night, like, uh, not all of them because I had seen them, but I, I hadn't mm-hmm. caught up in the last few and I watched them all in one clip because they're Star Trek shorts. But I started off backwards. I started off with the most recent, and that was, of course, um, Children of Mars. Very right. powerful story. Very, you know, it was a short, but it was it packed a lot in with with no mm-hmm. almost no dialogue, um, if any dialogue. Right. And we see that little glimpse of Picard's face, so we know that this is connected to that storyline and we know that about right. the trade. So, so um, you know, it's, it's, it's really, it just added a little bit more excitement mm-hmm. to, you know, to entice us, not that we needed any more. Um, right. So, um, so what are you looking forward to most with this series? Um, uh, what I'm looking forward to the most is I'm, I'm looking forward to like what brought, Picard to to like leave Starfleet because if you recall like in like past episodes like Measure of a Man um, in the movie Insurrection like when he had like this the, you know like of you know like of, he disagreed with Starfleet because like those are like the two things that like kind of really struck to me there's been other instances where he disagreed with Starfleet rules and you know like of what they were doing but those are like two moments like really struck with me From everything we know of Picard, being a military man, being the fact that that this developed a rift between him and his father, who wanted him to, you know, be the 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 son that mm -hmm. would take over, um, and in and with his brother, excellently portrayed by an actor whose name now escapes me, who unfortunately passed uh, this this last year. Um, such mm-hmm. a such a wonderful episode, but we know from everything that Picard didn't even need Kirk to tell him, you know, don't don't leave that chair, you know, don't don't leave Star Right, which he did. Um, he so, did that's what also leave. shocked me, you know, like him leaving that chair. I was like, oh, he did it follow Kirk's advice. <laughs> exactly. So some things, yeah. and we know Picard is a is, is is a person of strong moral character. He always mm-hmm. was, and he instilled that even in. You know, in Wesley, in the in the uh, the first duty, um, you mm-hmm. know. Oh he, yes, the first duty. Yeah. So this has got to be some kind of tremendous um, 
breach in, uh, I guess we may find out that it's Starfleet ethics or something that will... Something, um, something for him to break, because like, as you saw in Insurrection, Measure Man, and like other instances, he was able to find some type of resolve. Obviously, he was not able to find a resolve with right. whatever occurred. And, and as we've seen in glimpses of the trailers, uh, this is not the Starfleet that even we remember from, you know, almost 20 years ago. This is this is right. Things have whatever, dramatically whatever changed. Caused, yeah, whatever caused Picard to leave may have had some repercussions toward Picard as well, because as one admiral kind of sternly says, "This is not your house anymore. There is no right." Leave. Which was, you know, mm-hmm. pretty darn cold, I thought, you know, to treat someone as decorated as Picard. I mean, even before he mm-hmm. was, you know, ascended to Admiral, he had saved the planet more, on more than one occasion, uh, including right. the events of First Contact and stood up to, a, you know, uh, the Admiral in First in, in, in Insurrection, who was, you know, corrupt. So, um, right. you know, I, I, all I could think of is, oh, man, where's Necheyev now? You know, because right. um, she was one of the better admirals. And, in fact, at one point she, you know, when we saw her at a convention, the actress had said that at one point they had even considered toying with a, a romance between Picard and, mm-hmm. and her. Um, so we, we, we don't – she does not have the comfort of a friendly – Admiral uh, in in this no, show, no, he doesn't. Uh, which I think will be made up. My guess is that I think it will be made up, uh, you know, as as a mystery that we won't know all the details. We'll start to see them unravel uh, bit by bit, episode by episode, as to what happened. Or I could be totally wrong. Right. And they may blow or the you front. can read the comic, and I can provide mm-hmm. the first spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you want me to go ahead and, and talk about like what I've read yeah, in the comics so far? Let's 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 you know let's get into it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So like in the comics, because uh, only issue one and issue two are out. So so far, like um, Admiral Picard, um, first like it first starts off like a couple of years ago. Okay, like a couple of years before, like whatever happened happened. Um, and, like, we run into first, Jordy LaForge is actually on, like, the is, in, is Commander LaForge. And he is in charge of, like, you know, developing the new ships over on the Mars area. Oh, okay. And, yeah. So I was like, oh, there's LaForge. Um, and so, like, um, he's on, like, it's, uh, he, he has to, like, go to, like, the, the neutral zone because the – the um the Romulus star is about to go supernova, and so they are on a mission trying to deal with the Romulans, even though like the Romulans are still super suspicious, but they want the help, mm-hmm. but they're still like being super suspicious of Starfleet on their true intentions, and so like Picard is sent on a mission to a colony, some like remote colony, um over in the Romulus area to get to start a rescue mission for, like, some of these Romulans, okay? Well, when he comes onto the planet, he finds out that there is this race of people, which I can't even pronounce, 
Um, and the, the Romulans were like, oh, well, these are like the primitives. Like they basically enslaved these, 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 these um, people. And mm-hmm. Picard's like, well, hey, um, we need, like, we thought we're going to be just like taking like 10,000 people. Here it is. Like, there's millions of people. They're like, what? You know? And so this is like a big conflict for, for Picard, a moral uh-huh. conflict. And they, they come right from the gate of the racism because, like, there's blatant racism from the Romulans treating the primitives on this planet. The, 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 uh-huh. the, um, this, 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 this race of people. And so, like, what issue, issue two ends, um, with, these um, two Romulans who basically belong to like some secret secret um, sect of, of of Romulus government who was like spying on like the colonies to observe and do whatever. They ended up like rescuing Picard and his number one, um, and they the comic issue number two ends with the Romulans um, played the the. Picard ship, which is the USS, um, oh, what's the name of their ship? Uh, uh, Verity, the USS Verity. He's no longer on the Enterprise, and that is Latin hmm. for truth. So, which is kind of cool because I, 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 my ship is a Latin name ship. So I was like, oh, that's mm-hmm. cool, another Latin name ship, you know. So, so the Romulans then basically take over USS Verity, Picard's ship. He's trapped on the planet, and then that's where the comic ends. So I kind of I, I condensed, you know, like what all I've read into like little snippets. But it's really interesting to see, like, okay, we already have like some some idea of the betrayal. Like even like when Romulus needs help evacuating, their their son's about ready to go supernova. Like they're still doing like what what Romulans do. You yeah. know, and so it's just like really interesting. You know, like you're already starting to see some moral dilemmas that like Picard's having. Like I'm here to get ten thousand people. We trusted you, Romulans, mm-hmm. and then come to find out that you were just going to let the the natives here die. You no. know, and the yeah, Romulans they were just going to leave them. Exactly. The Romulans were just going to leave these people on the planet and let them die, and they didn't care. They just viewed them as primitive and just, you know, whatever. Yeah, the uh, well, the Romulans, unfortunately, didn't have a great track record even when they had the Remans uh, mm-hmm. from, from Nemesis, as we recall. Right. They were using them mostly as their, their uh, miners and, and things like that on, on, on mm-hmm. their, their twin world. Um, so I, I can't say I'm too... Surprised at the horrific, uh, you know. The, as we know, the Romulans just aren't nice people. Uh, no, they they are not nice. And I, and I gather that the the unification effort that Spock was trying to do, um, you know, prior to you know all of this, you know, uh, didn't have the kind of sociological. Um, you know, success that that was hoped for, um, and, right. we, and we may never see that storyline picked up, you know, at this point. But who knows? Um, yeah, who knows? I mean, like they're only going to cover so much in the comic, and it's only a three-part series. So, like the comics are just really nice, just to 
give you a little bit more of a backstory. I mean, they're not giving you yeah. information about, like, what's going to happen here in a couple of days, what you're going to see on TV. But it's nice to get, like, a little, a little backstory on, yeah. you know, like, the betrayal, like, what the Romulans did. And I can't wait for issue number three. So, to no, find out. Picard would be an admiral at the at the point in this in the comic book series. Here, yeah, he's, he's, he's an admiral. Yeah, he's an admiral. Yeah, yeah. and and uh, and you said Jordy uh, is is in, in a. He's a he, yeah, which which is nice because yeah. I know in another future that we saw in Star Trek Voyager, uh, he at around this time he was supposed to be the captain of the Challenger. Which I'm very mm-hmm. happy that I still have a job. So, um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like Jordy, but you know, um, right, right. Back that's where he came to this neck of the woods. Unfortunately, uh, we couldn't meet up with him. He was a little further south in the in Atlantic County. Right, right. <clears throat> so, um, I think this this definitely helps to set things up, and then we get this mm-hmm. glimpse of. Of the attack that happened on on the, the Mars station, it appears from from which, that Star Trek. Which, story. from what I'm reading in the comics, I bet that's going to be the Romulan. Oh, okay. and that's my that's what it, it, I have nothing to like in the comics that I read to like say that, but just the way that they commandeered the the um, the Vra- the Verity, you know the um, I'm sorry, I'm yeah. that, that name of that ship, uh, uh, the Variety. Uh, like they, um, you know, obviously, you know, like I, I you know, I'm, th- th- I'm just gonna assume it's gonna be the Romulans who attacked. Don't have any hmm. proof of that, but that's just my assumption. So. That's interesting, because the 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 yeah. designs are definitely sleek, um, and and we've seen in the trailers of of Picard, um. An old style, what appears to be a very, you know, like almost a throwback to the original Romulan bird of prey. Um, mm-hmm. If you if you recall seeing that in some of the the, the trailers that we've seen, um, which is very interesting. Um, I I don't know, you know, and that's that's separate from that raid, so I I don't know where that is going to play into things. Hmm. Um, you know. Um, I mean, there's so much going on with there this show. There is so show. much, I mean, but I am just really happy with, like, the darker side. That's why I liked Insurrection, that movie, so much, because it showed the darker side. I and did, I too. Like, uh, and so that I think that there's going to be, like, the, the darker element, and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just double that up. I'm just going to love it. <laughs> so, yeah. it's like, I, you know, I saw Insurrection, even though they had, it certainly had its dark points, but I saw that as a yeah. brighter movie overall uh, because it balanced out some of the darkness and that we saw with the corruption. We also saw some very it was it was also a very sweet movie in in the the sense that it brought about a lot of hope. It brought unity to the crew in a different oh, way yeah. than they've experienced. Um, and you would kind of think that it wouldn't make for good television, but you'd kind of think that if Picard was really ever going to retire from, from Starfleet, the first place he would go is straight to that planet. Uh, oh, because yeah. one, he'd get younger, uh, and two, he had right, a pretty attractive right. woman waiting for him there. Right, um, <laughs> exactly. 
I mean, you know, that's where I would go uh, if, if, if in his situation. But, you know, this is much more interesting to see a setup of he's in the one place that he didn't really want to turn out to be, you know, in his retiring mm-hmm. days. He didn't want to be in the vineyard. Uh, but he's got a nice dog <laughs> named number right, one. Right, yeah, he does, yeah. Um, and we get to see, you know, his actual number one and, and, uh, and Deanna, his wife, and we get to see his, right. his, at least one, one child we might get to see, or we get, we at least get to hear her. Um, so, and it, that's interesting too, because clearly they, you know, they've retired, you know, yeah, they retired. Um, they're no longer on the, on the Titan. And in the comics, yeah. they make mention of. Riker and Troy still being on the Titan, so like, so they hadn't yet retired, like you know, in the in the in the you know issue one, and yeah. uh, and somebody they did not name who someone was was running the Enterprise, but uh, they mm-hmm. just, they just uh, they just made a mention of oh wait if you wanted to take over the Enterprise the captain uh, surely wouldn't mind so obviously someone who was a friend of the Admiral, so mm, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Well, you know, um, I think you would, you know, it was another twist of of uh, of having Riker and Deanna decide that you know they had had their years on the Enterprise, they had had their years mm-hmm. on the Titan. Um, mm-hmm. They got along that way. They got married. You know, they well, they were married, but they got. They had children, or at least a child, maybe more than one, uh, and decided, hey, you know, we've done our part. It's time to, you know, uh, spend some time away from that and and build the family and and enjoy life and not risk our lives anymore. Um, Right. I I don't know if, you know, maybe they'll make reference of, of, uh, you know, Troy's, mother and you know uh as a tribute to Majel Barrett possibly you know mention oh, that mentioning would be nice. that would be nice. yeah passing um which means that Deanna would have inherited the sacred blah 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 of Reeks <laughs> <and all. laughs> could you imagine Troy saying it with such flair sacred <laughs> 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 you know like what Majel was able to do so well you know, like yeah. that, 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 you know, that flair, like how she just announced all her titles. Yep. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Even, oh, even yeah, that was we, awesome. I love that character. We all did. And I, I, I think it would be real fun to hear uh, Marina do as Deanna, you know, parroting that just, you know, as, as a point of humor in, in, a, in an episode. But I, I right. don't know. We'll get anywhere near there. Um, it does seem like they're weaving a few familiar characters into the story, probably right. for and one I, or two episodes. Oh, yes. And like the last trailer, like they have before, you know, like not data, but before. And so my whole thing with, with weaving in like characters is as long as they, it makes sense for the storyline, don't, don't Ooh, like, wait. oh, here's, here's war. Oh, well, well like a fan base wants to see Worf, like this is put him in there. I want it to make sense and right. to like well, why he, that character's there. You know what in I'm saying? Interview, so like 
in, in interviews, Patrick Stewart and the producers have made it very clear that this story is is about, you know, which is why it's called Star Trek Picard. This is not mm-hmm. a next gen reunion uh show as but much so many as fans many fans are secretly it. hoping for that. <laughs> yeah. It, it may answer a few questions. Um right. you know uh we get to see uh Will Wheaton, not well Wesley perhaps, you know, in the sense of he's doing the after Picard um, he is, he is. So that's going to be cool. And, um, right. you know, um, a few questions here will be answered. and uh, But it's mostly going to focus on where Picard's life is, what this mission is that has become his passion in life to reawaken his need to get out into space. Um, right. And I just thought it was so such a... a that he needs to resolve. So. Right, right. There's the and, and this young girl comes into his life, and we don't know why she's there, mm-hmm. who she is, what you know, what she brings. But what she right. will bring is a catalyst for some other young people that we will see um, in a in a ship that's other than probably a Starfleet ship that will be part mm-hmm. of this quest. Uh, that mm-hmm. they're going to go on, and and Picard will be this older figure of all these young people. Not that he hasn't done this right. before in another franchise entirely, where he sat in a wheelchair. But um, you know, I I think this is going to be you know very exciting, and uh, um, and of course we're going to see some semblance of data. Um, I think some you posted semblance of data. Yeah, I think you posted something today. Uh, I, I I thought you did an, an article. Yeah, that yeah, had... it was a um, an article or something of of data. I'm just hoping that there is some. It's not like there's like some element of before. You know, like there's like some some personality of before, just to give some differentiation differentiation of like of between data and before, because I don't want before to just magically, you know, say, you know, just become data. I, data is gone. He sacrificed himself in Nemesis. Like we have to move the storyline forward. Right. Um, you know. And I think that they did. You know, I think Brent Spiner did say something in that article that uh, they they would keep that canon. They would keep Data's death um, right. intact. Um, and I was wondering from certain scenes if Picard is possibly dreaming this or imagining this because in one scene it appeared that he might have been wearing uh, his mustard colored you know early next gen uniform and when they they went back to Picard it looked like he was wearing his red one so you mm-hmm. know that wouldn't that wouldn't seem to be something that they would be doing so you know without any kind of metaphysical uh, purpose behind it so, right, you know. right. So it'll be interesting to see like how that ties in. So, and then there's a board connection to this. We have, you know, you. Yeah, we got seven and nine. We got and you seven, and seven and nine. Yeah, yeah. So and, and just so that's interesting. I'm 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 happy with that crossover. You know, like yeah. uh, you know, seven and nine. You know, crossing over to Picard. 
So it's going to be interesting yeah, to see the development of her. And obviously she's going to have some big role because she has a lot of press. I mean, there's posters of her everywhere, you know, being in yeah. the card. Um, I don't know if you knew this, but there was uh, at, at one point in the writing of Nemesis, I had read once that for whatever reason, they were considering bringing Seven of Nine into that storyline, even though they realized it really made no sense. Um, because no, I never read Seven that. It, it had had nothing to do with Borg. It had nothing to, you know, I mean, Janeway made it in as as, as an admiral and, and had a yeah, like, Oh, yeah, like a, like a little brief clip. Like, hello, Admiral Janeway. So. Yeah, but, but I don't mm-hmm. know. And then they realized that, you know, finally – no, we're not going forward with this because it's right. really there's no place for her in the story just to arbitrarily throw her in, especially in Nemesis, which was pretty much a wrap up of the Enterprise D or E, you know, story, uh, which she would have been totally out of place there. So I was kind of glad. Yeah, they she, didn't like I think um, Nemesis, like uh, I think Voyager just recently wrapped up their production. Like of the time of Nemesis, if I'm if I'm right. if I'm my storyline, my yeah. timeline's right. Yeah, that's why Janeway was back, and that's when she was you back know, apparently in Admiral. Yeah, she was promoted afterwards, saying, "Well, if you you're able to save this crew uh, and and get back, you know, the least we could do is give you a few extra pips." Um, <laughs> Thank you for bringing back the ship. <laughs> yeah. <an> Admiral. <laughs> So, but I, but but here I think Seven of Nine will definitely have a purpose, um, and and she's she, you know, we'll we'll see that she is not the same Seven of Nine that we saw at mm-hmm. the very end of Voyager, who, if I recall, and I haven't watched the finale of Voyager in a while, um, I think it was on a few months ago because um, Emily and I do not have copies of of all the seasons of Voyager, we have everything else. Um, right. We don't have that. And, and, I, and I seem to recall that at that time, Seven of Nine was starting to um, uh, explore some of her emotions, and she was delving into a relationship with Chakotay uh, right, around yeah. that time. So that's sort of mm-hmm. how they wrapped up her story. Um, but she seems a bit feisty here from the, uh, from the Oh, yes. So something happened, you know, like for her to and, for her and to have, like, have those met, type of yeah, Picard and her may have met in between off screen, you know, where we didn't see it. So it could be, you know, it, it could be very interesting. So right, I mean, um, it's just like what, like, because I recently watched like the very first episode of Deep Space Nine. Look at like the adversarial like confrontation that Cisco had with Picard. Because the card, yeah. when he went, they come Bork. So there's probably something of that nature, like something happened. Yeah. You know, like, so for her to have that type of reaction, I'm, I'm just, you know, speculating, yeah, I, like, we're, you know. I, I didn't take it that she was hostile to Picard. I just thought she was a bit flip with Picard, suggesting yeah. that she must have, you know, it, it couldn't just be knowing him through reputation, it must be... Right, right. You know, there must have been something that... Well, you know, perhaps 
it's very possible that she may have served under Picard when he was still an admiral. You know, uh, we mm-hmm. can maybe assume that Seven of Nine had remained in Starfleet. Um, we can't be sure. You know, we've not seen her in the uniform, so we don't know if Seven of Nine is still in Starfleet. Right, um, I have no idea. At this point. So there's going to be so many things that... Uh, so much, so much. I mean, mm-hmm. and Hugh, like what what happened to him? I'm I'm really curious. I love that episode, by the way, with in Next yeah. Gen, with Hugh. That was a yep. good one, you know? Um, and so, like, what happened, like his development, we're going to be seeing that, you know, like what happened to him? Yeah, now they brought him... He was in at least two episodes, right? He right. was in the initial episode, and then didn't he? Didn't they they find him again, and it sparked some kind of Borg civil war, or you know, yeah, some kind it of did. Division? Yeah, because he had like the individual thoughts, um, and yeah, and then the, but it's been a while since I've seen that episode. So yeah, me too, and I, I, I. I wasn't uh, sure where that left off, mm-hmm. but um, it's it's you know that's just yet another aspect of this that that I right. think will enjoy getting to know the new characters um, who, who are there for some reason, uh, you mm-hmm. know. So uh, uh, they look very you know um, interesting, and um, you know we're we're uh, I, I know several of our of our fleet chapters, well, all over fleet will be, you know, probably getting together either on Thursday or. Oh yes, we are getting together on Thursday. Um, Get this, we're going to be getting together, having pizza and all that. And on top of that, the fellow Prada, we are going to be having Earl Grey tea, tea, Earl Grey (laughs) hot. And we're having Earl Grey tea, I kid you not. And also I'm, I am, my, my crew is going to be finding out about this just now when they listen to this podcast, I'm going to be having a John Luke Picard trivia party, a trivia game. And so I got like some prizes for my crew, my, my awesome crew. Uh, and we're going to have fun with it, you know, like have a little uh, Picard trivia, have some Earl Grey tea, you know, and enjoy the show, you know. And on that note, our, our voyage for tonight is coming to an end. Uh, so if you can kindly oh. share your contact information, uh, you'll, I'm sure you'll be back on. You're you're awesome. Oh, thank you. Go ahead. All right, so the contact information. Um, you can come and visit. Um, we're the Pittsburgh chapter. We are on Facebook. Um, www.facebook.com. Uh, um, Stella Prada, eighty two six one six. That's um, our, our, our name um, on Facebook, our page. Come like us. Um, check us out. We do a lot of different variety of activities from movies to going to um, different events around in the Pittsburgh area. Come check us out. Incredibly awesome. Thank you very much. Your maiden voyage in Olympian space was awesome. I just announced that uh, you are henceforth host of your own show. Uh, so come up with a cool name <laughs> and uh, challenger chat or you know whatever you'd like to call it. And uh, um, I look forward to uh, your show next month, Bob. You're 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 incredible. I'm glad that you're my friend, creative collaborator, and uh, Starfleet liaison. 
You're great, Hercules. It's always a pleasure, and uh, I can't wait for the next month. And uh, thanks thank again, you Maria. So you're you're, you're very entertaining and informative. Okay. <laughs> okay, and to all who joined us, we're going to take a brief uh, break. Artemis of the Hunt by Kellyanna, and then we will be back for more science fiction goodness. Artemis of the silver bow and arrows formed of silver light Eternal maiden of the moon, beloved leader of the hunt She stalks her prey fleet and fast with quiver hung across her back The hunt, her power and her bliss when loose her arrows never miss May I run with you now through the green forest glade Grant me the honor to join in the chase When the curve of my bow is the crescent moon Artemis guide my arrow true Artemis guide my arrow true Lady of the wild things and forest nymphs running free Her bird is the majestic crane, the silver fir, her sacred tree Goddess of the moon and hunt, running towards the morning light She runs with lion, wolf and bear, running free with unbound hair May I run with you now through the green forest glade Grant me the honor to join in the chase When the curve of my bow is the crescent moon Artemis guide my arrow true Artemis guide my arrow true Goddess of the raging seas Stirs the waves with a silver leash And with a cry and mighty roar She hurls them fast upon the shore Moon maiden rides the night sky In a chariot drawn by four white stags She sets down in a hidden place And calls her maidens to the chase May I run with you now through the green forest glade Grant me the honor to join in the chase When the curve of my bow is the crescent moon Artemis guide my arrow true Artemis guide my arrow true May I run with you now through the green forest glade Grant me the honor to join in the chase When the curve of my bow is the crescent moon Artemis guide my arrow true 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 Greetings and welcome back to Voice of Olympus. We continue beyond the Empyrean with Tina and Brian Chandler. And Brian is a celebrity uh, today. A large uh, newspaper article appeared about him. And, of course, uh, Thomas uh, Pontan, who is also known as Simbaka Rafikin of the Pride Landian Empire. Greetings and welcome. How are you? Hello, everyone. Hi, Hi. 
it's great to have you guys here. And uh, I'm really looking forward to hearing about uh, this article that was written. I tried to share it, but I wasn't able to share it given the options on the, on Facebook. So, uh, okay, I can fix that. Mm-hmm. Hello, Brian. Are you with us? Yeah. Can you hear me? I can hear you. It's a little bit um, scratchy and staticky, and I'm getting reverberation now. All right. Hang on a second. Okay. Is that any better? That's much better, yes. Okay. That's what I can proceed to from the phone. <laughs> <laughs> All so, right. tell us about this article. How did it come about? Uh, well, the short form is, um, as you know, I own a comic book store, and yes. with everything that's been going on the last year or so, with all the problems I've been having with, you know, family problems and problems with my cat and problems with business and things like that, um, I had posted a thing on Facebook that I was considering closing the store down. Whoa. And, and hmm. some friends of mine pretty much um, got together, looked me right dead in the face and said, no, you're not. We're going to work our way out of this. So the next thing I know, I have a GoFundMe page for it. I have the local newspaper doing a big feature story on it, which is what was the thing today. And I've had two uh, TV stations, one of which has already aired their piece, but another one is going to come interview me this week about everything. So we're kind of trying to fight our way out of this. Oh, that is fantastic that uh, there's been such a response uh, uh, and that uh, you don't have to give up your shop. Well, it's still not quite a done deal yet, but uh, just the sheer turnout and the support from the community has been amazing. You know, nobody wants to see me disappear. So that's that's wonderful. Yeah, it's been kind of good but humbling at the same time. So we'll see how it goes. Like I said, it's still not a done deal, but it's kind of looking up a little bit. So. Good, good. And uh, what has been the response? Uh, are people calling you or are people stopping you in the street and saying, I saw you in the paper? Well, when I actually got, bought the paper this morning, um, Tina was with me, and she had pulled out the article and was looking at it, and the girl at Walgreens that sold us the paper stops and kind of looks over her shoulder at the article, and she's like, oh, is that you in the paper? Because the picture is like literally half the newspaper page. I was like, yeah, oh, that's me. And she's like, oh, that is so cool. <laughs> that is a fantastic uh, story. The fact that your community uh, would community virtually and in terms of your personal friends and in terms of your um, actual community came together and uh, took action uh, that is yeah, well, very inspiring, and that's a, well, that's a story that needs to be heard. Well, the cool part about it, too, is I did, um, not this past weekend, but the weekend before, right after I made this first announcement, um, we had put together a big sale at an event we were going to have at the store literally within a week's time. And believe it or not, I actually had more people show up to that or right at the same amount of people show up to that as I do the free comic book day, which is usually my biggest event of the year. Wow. So. That is fantastic. Well, it it also leads into what I was going to discuss uh, with you guys tonight. Um, I don't know if you heard the tail end of 
um, Bob's uh, segment. Uh, but Bob is now hosting the segment, and he's you know bringing guests. Um, and I was thinking, I know that Thomas uh, can uh, um, host the segment because uh, he was the first person to interview me <laughs> years and years and years ago uh, on uh, yeah, a long podcast. Ago, yeah. I, yeah, yeah, that was my first podcast ever. And uh, um, so I was going to see if you guys were interested in developing your own show. And uh, I was going to ask uh, Brian – um, if he wanted to focus on comic books, since that's what he does, uh, uh, that's what he has his business on. And we need a comic book show. And that was on my list of shows uh, to develop. So uh, if you'd like to have a show, um, we'll do it together for the first few times. And then when you feel comfortable, uh, you could fly free with it. And uh, Simbaka Raskin of the Pride Lantian Empire, what type of show would you do in, in sci-fi? Oh, that's that's a very good question. Um, I I know it could, it could be space related. I've always been having a thing for time travel and alternate realities as well. That's always an interesting topic to always to speak about as well. Especially the fact that um, on Disney Plus in a year and a half they're going to be they're going to do a an animated series of the old What If comics, but it'll be focused on the, oh, the awesome. Marvel movies. Yes. Yeah. So. The whole, the whole concept of, you know, the what if, the, the road not taken has always been a fascination to me as well as time travel as being a Back to the Future fan myself. <laughs> so do you want to call your show The Path Not Taken or What If? Or... <laughs> Ooh, think about it. Taken. You don't have That's to make awesome. a decision now, but think about that. And uh, I, will, um, I will admit that that is a lovely name. That's, yeah, good thinking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll think about that. Yeah, <laughs> and you're free to invite whatever guests you like, and it doesn't have to be uh, exclusively sci-fi. You can cross over into um, what do you call all sorts of uh, um, hypothetical mysticism. I know that you know authors who publish books on that, so this way you can focus on them, and uh, you know uh, we can at the same time develop the Pridelantian Empire within the context of uh, what we're doing. Oh, of course. I know my old. And, I know my old gang is. My old gang has actually gotten together. We actually have um, our 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 group that we role played on the Star Trek rooms called the Nexus Bar. Um, we actually just uh, one of them on there just created a Discord channel for the called the Nexians and all that. So we all been getting on that and all been kind of relieving our memories from long ago. So I think they would be happy to hear a shout out to them. <laughs> oh, awesome! Okay, great. Uh, and uh, Tina. Yeah, um, I'm right here. You're, 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 what do you call it? Uh, can you work with uh, your husband, and you can maybe expand that core concept, and uh, we can include the Star Trek stuff we're doing, and we can include everything uh, comic book related. Uh, I'll occasionally ask for updates on like uh, Greek mythology uh, themed uh, stuff, but other than that, um, you guys can schedule guests. You can do whatever you like. That sounds good. Do you have any ideas? So, well, you're a resident uh, a roller derby queen. <laughs> uh, well, that's kind of going by the wayside right now. I've had to retire. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Due to my, oh, that, that's okay. Um, due to my mom's um, declining health, I really can't leave her alone at home much anymore. She uh, has had two falls since... Um, and one of the past couple of months, and 
that kind of puts my job here at night, you know, kind of into the, uh, I, I really can't work now even at night anymore. So I'm afraid that for the time being, uh, roller derby is going to be, have to be tabled for right now. Okay. But, but, uh, so that's okay. Uh, That is an exciting thing. Very few people actually get to do something that amazing and you got a chance to do it for as long as you could. And it doesn't sound like you totally ruled it out, just shelved it for now. And that happens in life a lot to all of us where we need to put the things uh, on the shelf for a little bit. So uh, uh, maybe this gives you some time to do something new creatively and I extend the invitation. Oh, that'd be great. I mean, I could, I could uh, uh, table the thing with Brian here. <laughs> There's a lot of people that we know down here that's involved with comics and costuming and cosplay and, and things like that. You know, how to do the costumes, how to develop characters, even talk to maybe hey, Brian, maybe we should talk to Dean Hake from uh, Scout Comics. We can do that. Oh, awesome. You can get all the Jim and Holly. That might be cool. Oh yeah. Oh, Jim and Holly. Uh, uh, Jim Belant and Holly Golightly. They are the artists, creators, um, copyists, anchors, <laughs> all the one um, of Broadsword Comics. They published Tarot, Witch of the Black Rose. Um, I remember that. Yes, it's still going on. Yeah, it was a great comic. I remember reading it a long, 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 long time time ago. <laughs> Don't remind me how how, the whole, how long that comic's been running. I feel old enough anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> Is Tara still around as a character? I haven't uh, looked uh, for many years. Like, I guess for a couple of decades I haven't looked. Uh, is she still around? Uh, which one? I mean, how? Uh, Taro. Okay, yes. Really? The character's still around? Awesome. I to, next time I go to a comic yes. book shop, I have to ask them. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. Taro, Raven Hex, uh, John, uh, Licorice Dust, all of them. They're still around. Oh, that is incredible. Okay, good. So I'm looking forward to those uh, interviews, and uh, th- that'll be fantastic. And I'll announce that yes. uh, tonight. I'll look through your, uh, I'll look through your uh, Facebook for pictures so that I can post. And do you have one of Simbaka other than the, um, uh, other than the uh, top um, of your the uh, Simbaka's Facebook page? There's a graphic there. Are there more graphics like that, uh, uh, Thomas? Um, I, there's a couple other than I'd have to pull them out of my archives, especially like one of the very first ones that it was given to me that, um, a friend I role played with his, his name was Worf DL. He had like this picture archive and it was like this, of this, like this, this animal lion that looked like he was sitting in a study and I thought it was just kind of like a gorgeous picture. I'll have to see if I could dig that one up again. But these were the pictures that were that's on my Facebook page. Actually, the the one the main the the background picture was done of from a friend of mine, and the main picture was done. That's an interesting story. If you remember, like the the software when you can like morph from one picture to another, the friend of mine done it. Yes, her I name remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my friend uh, my friend Nuncha, what she did is she took my real life picture of me, 
and a lion's face, and it went the, and it stopped at the halfway point, and that's how the face is done. Oh wow! So that's way, yeah, it, yeah, that's how she did that picture um, of uh, Simbaka and all that. And I've always treasured that always because it's like if you look carefully, you can, if you've ever seen a real life picture of me, you can kind of see the resemblance from that. But yeah, that's that's how that was done on that picture. But yeah, I'll have to see if I can dig up that old picture from long ago that that looks like this 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 lion in his study in a sense, wearing these little glasses on his on his nose. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to receiving that. We'll use that as the picture. Um, what's going on in your neck of the woods? We have um, uh, Brian being a local celebrity. Uh, we have Tina retiring from uh, being a uh, roller derby queen. What's going on in your life? I don't know if we can top it, but I'll give it a shot here. I've started okay. recently in. I, I started recently um, to work in the art of perler bead art. Um, if you don't know what that is, it's these little beads that you put on a pegboard to make a picture, and then you use an iron to iron the the, pe- the beads together, and you can make pictures. Usually, they're used to make like pictures from like video games and all that. Although you can work them to make like other from drawings and portraits and all that. They're sold sometimes in conventions and all that, and I've been getting very good at the hang of it. And I've actually had also a couple of commissions already done from requests from people I've role played with online. Oh, great! And yeah, That's that so was awesome. that was kind of the yeah. It's I it's it was, took a little bit. I bought like uh, just a simple little uh, ten dollar iron they usually you would take for traveling to do the ironing for using. I've never always admitted myself to be a good artist, but, you know, after I found some patterns online, I started practicing at it, and I actually worked on something that didn't have a pattern. I did, the, like, three lifelines from Who Wants to Be a Millionaire in Perler Bead Art, and I was kind of impressed that I was able to pull it off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you post anything on your page? Um, on my, my personal page, yeah, over the, over the years I did, but I can send some pictures to your heart so you can see them. Thank I mean, you. Most recently, I, yeah, most recently, yesterday, I did a Perler Bead Art of Pikachu. Okay, I found it. I was at your page, and I found it. That looks awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that looks like a professional uh, uh, piece, you know, so I'm sure people are happy with your commission. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, the, you know, some of the major things and all that. Um I know that with our order the Aurora, we're going to have uh, on February the ninth. We're going to have uh, open little little celebration of called the the Erlog. Uh, the Erlog is from old Viking history when the Vikings usually in the dead middle middle of winter they would celebrate the top the start of the year their achievements over the prior year of what they done like you know I explored over this or I did this conquest and all that. And it's been actually a tradition in our coven at Imbolc where. We kind of we at our ritual in Imbolc we would go over the achievements we did over the prior year to celebrate and cheer for every achievement we did. And so we're going to do a public log on Sunday, February ninth at Half Brothers Brewing Company in Grand Forks, North Dakota, so that people can come and tell about their own achievements. <laughs> oh wow! So lots going on in your neck of the woods uh, as well. For me, for me, nothing much more else. Um, I've been I've been working on getting still keeping in shape. I'm 
still, according to WeFit, I'm still staying at 758 pounds, so I still have lost that 38, 30 pounds over the past four months. <laughs> and I have to admit, WeFit is a nice. And I have to admit, WeFit has kept me so nice in shape because when we had a night, we had a big blizzard. I went out to shovel the snow. My body stayed so nicely fit, like as if I could <laughs> shovel. It was like I keep on going at it, no problem. So it's something that the simplest things can help help out in life. <laughs> Almost certainly so. And what are you doing again? What system are you following? The um. Well, I'm a I'm a Celtic pagan, and I also uh-huh. I study both Celtic and of course and of course the Greek Greek as well. Oh no, I'm sorry. I meant uh, in terms of your physical fitness because you've been making great strides uh, in that. What what type of things are you doing um, to lose the weight and to get uh, healthy? Oh, I apologize. Uh, if you remember the old Nutrifast Slim, Slim commercials, you know, where they say they would have a Slim for breakfast, a Slim for lunch, and then have anything where they want for dinner. I kind of yeah, incorporated that, that kind of – yeah, I kind of incorporated that kind of strategy where sometime during the day I would have a lunch, you know, naturally what I want. Now, one of the things I did is I kind of stopped fast food like cold turkey, and so I usually I would focus on getting food like from the grocery store. Like if like okay. they had like the nice little microwave microwave lasagna, for example, and then when I come home, I would have either like a waffle or pop tarts, blueberry muffins or strawberries, so I can get the healthy portion in there. And then during the during the summer, I would do like you know like an hour of biking, and then during the winter, I would do Wii Fit. And what's nice of Wii Fit is that you can set it to a personal trainer mode where you do like 30 minutes of exercise. And it's going to be like yoga or or jogging or biking that's done on on the game on the Wii Balance Board, and that's been that's and that's been my strategy. That's and it's it's pretty much just helped me get uh, my um, metabolism back in check, for the most part. It's, and it's been relatively I mean, it's quickly been, too that you you've been losing all this weight and uh, and getting uh, fit. That that is so great. Mm-hmm. Tina, you down, also were very much. I'm sorry. Yeah, my weight's been down. My blood pressure's been down. Yeah. <laughs> that is that is fantastic. When you make you continue to succeed and make great strides on this uh, path. Uh, mm-hmm. Tina, you were very much into fitness. Uh, I remember when uh, I first moved to Tenafly and we had the uh, fitness quest. You used to participate in those um, long distance. Um, since retiring from your roller derby uh, arena, um, what type of things are you doing to keep in shape? Uh, well, I'm still be skating. I mean, um, with the problems I have uh, with immunity-wise, with the fibromyalgia and everything else, it's very difficult for me to run. In fact, um, taking a run like that is like stepping on um, shivers of glass and Stand first, Ooh. all mixed together, along with Legos. Let's not forget Legos. So, um, yeah, that's why to me skating is a lot better. It's not as much um, an injury, not much repetition on the joints. You're getting a good cardiac workout. I mean, I still do that quite a bit. Um, running all the place, taking care of kids. <laughs> that's something. The, um, the middle one, Bobby, 
he's interested in running and um, trying to catch up with him has been very interesting because he, he decides to go to the grass and everything. Well, I can't go. So <laughs> I've been quite oh. creative in ballet walking <laughs> or in my case, well, ballet, towing across the grass and everything to catch him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, being active with the boys, yeah. being active with the Boy Scouts, um, with with them, we're going to be doing a lot more camping and activities with the Boy Scouts this year. And uh, also, I, I will have to make you know weightlifting at Brian's store, you know, um, picking up boxes, throwing boxes, things like that. So we joke around about that. That's Is that how you keep in, throwing in, around forty pound comic boxes? <laughs> Are they really heavy? They can't be. Oh. Yes. And is that how yes, you stay are. in shape? Because you, you look like you're in good shape. Brian looks like he's in in shape. So is that how he stays in shape by lifting heavy comic boxes and? Oh yeah, I'm certain yeah, those boxes get, get pretty heavy for a jungle gym. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, so so a lot uh, going on with uh, everybody, and uh, um, although not a hundred percent positive, mostly uh, positive. So that's always uh, good uh, to hear. Um, in terms of the Star Trek uh, story, um, where that uh, currently is, I'll just summarize a little bit and extend from last time. This week, we're starting at the library, uh, the Voyage of the Argo. And uh, in this voyage of the Argo, Atlantis uh, did not get destroyed uh, uh, before uh, this time, but Atlantis is still an active force uh, because of what happened during the time wars and afterwards. Um, So the world has changed, and Poseidon is no longer lord of the seas. Okay. And then in this day and age, those of us who went to the past – uh, got shot at in the you know, in transit to the future that we know, uh, so we're stuck in the here and now. And the oceans are full of plastics, and a lot of the water is toxic, and that's the real situation uh, on our planet. So the community aspect of what we'll be doing will be you know working on cleaning up the water and keep you know like uh, preserving nature and things like that. Uh, because we're Olympian or resonant with Olympianism, so that's what we do. Uh, but that's, that explains why uh, our futuristic civilizations are in the here and now. And we have earthly avatars, you know, who we send out into the world uh, ourselves. And uh, that's how we engage uh, the world. So we could generate a lot of uh, uh, fandom activity uh, that is geared toward addressing some of the problems that our planet is experiencing. And we could do something you know, very concrete with our assistance. Wow. That's a lot. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Sound good? Yeah. Cool. It does. Amazing. Okay. Awesome. So uh, there will be that. And uh, I know I've been remiss in sending things by email. I'm really, uh, you know, my consciousness has spread very, very thin uh, lately. Uh, on the positive side of that, um, there'll be a fourth show. And this one will be on HD radio. So it won't be a podcast, it, although you can catch it streaming and it will be archived for a couple of weeks. Um, 
it's going to be like live on HD radio, and then there's a bunch of other devices, uh, including your phone, that you could hear it on. And you could also ask Siri or Alexa to get it for you, and they'll be able to, to get it for you. So, I I guess that's uh, something new and exciting. And uh, right now, I I got my clearance uh, through security. Um, and the talent agency, and uh, I am learning how to use the um, the equipment, and I've been uh, shadowing a DJ uh, for the past month. So uh, ultimately, I'm suspecting sometime in February or early March, uh, that show will launch. And of course, you'll all be invited as guests on, uh, on that show. But a lot of my attention is there. And then there's some other things going on as well, entertainment-wise, which I'll talk about another time. Um, but uh, this way, with your with your pr- programs here, uh, the HD will give the programs a chance to spread to a wider audience. Just like you're being in the newspaper, uh, put, made more people aware of you. So I, I, I'm still figuring in the process of figuring all, all that out. But um, by next year, we'll be doing amazing things. Very cool. That sounds great. Yeah, it's wonderful. Now, I have been contacting uh, uh, people locally who are into science fiction, science fiction fandom. So when we have interaction, uh, we'll, we'll, you know, right now I'm in the process of setting all that up. And uh, uh, all of you have said that in your areas, too, there are clubs you've contacted and spoken to that are interested um, I guess without mentioning their names, if you just give me like a, a broad idea, maybe we could start brainstorming in how we can integrate them into the bigger story. Oh, wow. Uh, I think my brain's worse people. Up. Oh, right. I don't know. <laughs> Well, I'll give you an example. When uh, we were in Pennsylvania, uh, and I used to run uh, um, adventures for kids, they were often set in these universes that they were familiar with. Uh, so we had two uh, Star Wars games, you know, that ran for a number of months. One was called Die Gungan Die, and the other one was called Wookie Holocaust. Uh, and uh, basically, the premise was was that. A long time ago in the galaxy far, far away, continued into the, you know, the, the here and now of antiquity, another planet. So there was a Kashyyyk where Wookiees lived and you know, the Gungans were there. And a Dark Lord had arisen and the Gungans were serving the Dark Lord. And uh, there was this whole subplot with kyber crystals and things like that. And uh, um, we anticipated that whole thing with Jar Jar being originally like a Sith which uh, is one of the rumors that came out and a lot of people like did evidence for it. So it was kind of like in that line, but before that became something that people speculated about and uh, it ran for a number of years. So um, I could use that story to join the star Wars people, for instance, you know, I could reframe it and uh, give them a place in this adventure. Oh, that's an idea. Oh, although, yeah, I heard, when you heard, think about the die, 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 die thing here from the Empire's point of view. Okay. Uh, from the Empire's <laughs> point of view, that would be very good, although I still think the Empire versus the Ewoks are better yet. How to make teddy bears into boxed lunches would be better. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, great. <laughs> 
So uh, we have a place to start there. Uh, uh, Simbaka. <laughs> uh, would it be something to see the see the Ewoks versus the Jar Jar people going at it? That'd be something. But <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> So we can have fun with it, in other words, and still do yeah. something for the community. <laughs> and what would you guys like to see? I shared what I would like to see. What would you guys like to see in terms of uh, – I see us active at conventions, um, and I see interviewing people and getting – like spreading information through a podcast. What, what would you like to do? Oh no, that's gonna take some thought. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, we have a couple of conventions here in Florida, of course. You know, if word got spread around, you know, I don't know, I and mean, you know, you know, you start a little bit, you know, start a small and work your way up, and I mean that that could work as spread at least the conventions here. I know that much, and of course we have also the North Dakota Grand Sabbath. That's also the, you know, the one of the pagan conventions that's happened old here in North Dakota too. It could be brought would up. it help? Would it help if I, um, if we gave it a club structure and then incorporated it? Uh, would that help? Like at for least, instance, yeah, uh, Star Starfleet International. They have an organization, an actual organization. Um, we have an informal network of people. Would it help if we created an organization? I don't know. Would it be like herding cats? Well, I find most of myself too. I'm like herding cats. I guess my my consciousness is all over the place. But uh, <laughs> I'm thinking maybe that structure w- would help us in the long term. Um, I don't know. It's something yeah, to think, think about. Good. And we we have to. We, I'm in yeah. a rush, uh, and I'm sure you guys aren't in a rush either. Uh, but it's something to think about, and we could weigh the pros and cons uh, either on or off the air, and uh, and move uh, forward with it. Well, a, a structure does give a good place for where to start things. I mean, it gives us, you know, like right now we're like, uh, I don't know, and you know, then you say the word structure, and like, okay, we have our building blocks here, so. That would be a good idea. Try to think about I mean, um, issues that come up ahead of time. So, you know, as for as for one that helps run the the LAP, the Lake Agency Picking Community, you know, you need to like the bylaws and you know the 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 foundation before you really get going. So, just kind mm-hmm. of okay from from so my own let, experience. Let me start working on that, and since you've done it before, we'll we could do that together. Uh, and we'll just work on it uh, at our own pace until we have something, and uh, we'll make a decision when it, it's more anchored in this reality. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. And I looked That'll at the time. We're at, at the end of our journey for today. Uh, does anyone have any um, last-minute information they'd like to share or contact information? We'll start with uh, Brian. Uh, well, the store page is the one I'm mainly on now, so it's facebook.com slash Comics, and I will go back and check my settings on that article and the interview I did on the news the other day and try to get all that freed up so everybody can look at it. Fantastic. Just feel free to share it on my page. Okay, if, I will. You might you. be able to do that where I won't. Thank you. Uh, and Tina? 
Um, just on Facebook, I'm under there, Lieutenant Chandler. Or if you want to send me an email, you can send it to me at uss71832 at yahoo.com. Incredibly awesome. And last but certainly not least, uh, Thomas. Uh, you can find me on Facebook under Thomas Putton and uh, Simbacher Ficken. And uh, maybe my email address is tomwaterwitch at uh, live.com. Um, and yeah, and then I'm part of the spelltreatedition.com is the, the website. And of course, the Lake Agassiz Pagan community, you can find us on Facebook. That is incredibly awesome. Um, we're having some I, I reverb on the board. I don't know if you guys are getting the verb, reverb uh, on your end, but uh, I'm going to try to figure out what that's all about and fix it. I apologize for it. And uh, thanks again. I look forward to our talk uh, next month. And between now and then, let's communicate and let's uh, see when we can launch uh, the shows. I'm, I'm ready to launch by next month if you guys are ready. If not, uh, again, we'll go at every, a pace everybody's uh, comfortable with. All right. That sounds great. We'll figure it out. Okay, we're going to take a brief break. We're going to listen to Dave the Bard's The Pipes of Pan, and then we will be back with the Scholars Beyond Time. All of my life 
the gods and all the wonder that they hold But how many people really can hear the pipes of Pan As they sound across our sacred land of old Greetings and welcome back to Voice of Olympus. This is your host, Hercules Invictus, and I introduce my fellow hosts, Nicholas Dyack and Michelle Brittany, the scholars from the edge of time. Greetings and welcome. Greetings, Hercules. How are you this evening? Uh, other than some uh, uh, problems with the board and reverberation, I'm doing excellent. How are you? Uh, doing very well. We're not uh, encountering any reverberation as yet, so hopefully it'll continue to be that way for our our journey with you this evening. Uh, that would be incredibly awesome. So I guess you are starting tonight with uh, uh, your review of a um, mummy movie. Um. Well, actually, we can just talk about. Uh, the Troy movie. Uh, Nick and I actually watched that one together, so we're happy to kind okay. of talk one. Um, and then I do have a book that I'm in the midst of reading that if there's time, we can chat a little bit about that. That would be incredible. Uh, welcome, Nick. How are you? I'm fighting a little bit of a cold, but other than that, I'm okay. <clears throat> Ouch, well, I hope you feel better. <laughs> um, is, uh, are you able to talk? Oh, yeah, just uh, <clears throat> stuffy with some, uh, you know, took some NyQuil, and I just want to curl into a ball and sleep for a couple of days. I know what that feels like. <laughs> okay, uh, thank you for coming on, although you're not feeling at your best, and I'm really looking forward to uh, learning about uh, Asylum's Troy movie. 
Sure. So, yeah. So, Michelle and I, we watched this, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, maybe around Christmas time. In fact, we have a a colleague who's presented at our Anne Radcliffe Academic Conference, and he's going to be putting together a collection of essays on uh, asylum films. And, uh, oh, awesome. You know, that this popped up because Michelle are like, Michelle and I, are, are ting- our ears are tingling like, uh, well, we could definitely submit to that. So, so this kind of coincides with his project that we're going to try to submit to. So uh, Troy the Odyssey, first uh, of our many asylum films that we're going to have to <laughs> watch. <I suppose>. <laughs> <laughs> I liked so the Hercules film. One. That was really good. Well, we we own that one. We haven't watched it yet, and I actually went on a little spending spree buying a couple of the other Asylum films. So I'm looking uh-huh. forward. Well, we both look forward to talking about all of them with you. Um, yeah. So yeah, Troy the Odyssey. Um, I, I guess if I had to phrase it in like two words or less, it would be not bad. You want to give a synopsis? Oh man. Uh, <laughs> okay, I'll try. There my... you go. Now. Hercules is more of the antiquarian here. So uh, basically the plot is a very, 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 very condensed version of Homer's uh, The Odyssey. Okay. <laughs> That's about it. Um, so no, it's basically, it's a knockoff of Troy and a couple other, you know, Odyssey films that came out at the time. You know, it's it's basically a very condensed version of Odysseus's, you know, 10-year journey to get from, you know, the conquest of Troy back to his, uh, you know, his queen and bride, not bride, uh, you know, wife in Ithaca, and the many adventures that kind of wayward him along the way. Now, uh, surprisingly, uh, the movie actually, as far as I could tell, I've only, you know, uh, I only know a little bit about the Odyssey, unfortunately, you know, from Edith Hamilton's mythology, but it hits a lot of the, the major beats. You know, Odysseus you know, is trapped with Calypso on her island for a couple years. He encounters the Cyclops. Uh-huh. He has to uh, prove that he's really himself to his wife and against all these suitors by shooting an arrow through some rings and stringing a bow. And uh, it, so it actually hits kind of the major beats of the original uh, Homeric um, poem. Uh, in fact, uh, the only thing it probably really, you know, takes um, liberties with is it pulls from Clash of the Titans by throwing a crack in it. And, uh, <laughs> right, wrong, or indifferent, uh, I, I, I'm okay. More movies can use the appearance of a crack in, if you ask me. I, I, I would agree that, with you. Um. I'm kind of, I mean, I've got some bullet points over here, but since I'm kind of only half coherent, I'm kind of going to ramble for a little bit here, though. <laughs> uh, so, and then, you know, Michelle will be able to punch me and say, you know, something on her mind. I, I guess the first thing I want to say is uh, I have to commend Asylum Films to their commitment to the neo-peplum genre. Because, you know, right now, the, the genre, at least theatrically, is in a, you know, it's it's not doing so well. You know, all the, the Neo Peplum films that have come out as late have been both critically and commercially derided. And yet you have this company that looks at them and says, you know what, we could do that and actually turn a profit. And they must be turning a profit because, 
you know, their business model works or else they wouldn't be, you know, making these films unless they're really building their empire on all the Sharknado films. And that's, it could be that. <laughs> but, they, but I'm shocked that uh, at quite the few Neo-Peplum films they have, uh, Almighty Thor, Hercules Reborn, Troy the Odyssey, and then they, they, you know, dive into kind of Peplum adjacent, you know, some Aladdin films, um, uh, some Sword and Planet films like Princess of Mars, uh, lots of sword and sorcery films. They have quite a few, like, dragon films, like Merlin and Dragon Quest. And then they even, um, they knock off Peplum films by not even making them Peplum films. Like, they have one called uh, Apocalypse Pompeii, which is supposed to be kind of a knockoff of Pompeii, but it's not. You know, it's in contemporary times. So, for that, I have to applaud this film for uh, Troy the Odyssey for being kind of, you know, this foundation of work that Asylum Films is putting out that, you know, keeps the, the peplum genre, I'm going to say going and anchored and, and, in a weird sort of way, commendably uh, competent. Uh, I was expecting the worst going into this. And I actually left the movie quite pleased. It, it has its, it has its issues. You know, it's not the best, you know, computer graphics or anything. And if I have to say one thing, it does very, very well that, not a lot of other contemporary peplum films do is I think it kind of reaches back to uh, Harryhausen uh, style of sword and sandal um, from Clash of the Titans to Jason and Argonauts because you have you know Odysseus fighting a cyclops fighting a kraken fighting other creature, creatures while you don't have a lot of neo peplum films made nowadays that embrace you know, uh, monsters and mythology and so on and so forth. So I actually have to applaud that they're like, hey, let's do that. Let's go back to some Ray, Ray Harryhausen roots on this one. Yeah, and in fact, it, it, it's competently done. Uh, the one area where I think they did the was... The end? The end, and, and I kind of a CGI or what exactly oh, no. they had... Total CGI. Yeah, it was CGI, and it, it did not look good. But where they did the more uh, Harryhausen approach to their monsters, they actually did a, a decent job. I was impressed. Um, like Nick, I wasn't going in expecting a whole lot from it. And, you know, maybe that was, you know, a good thing um, because I actually came out thinking, oh, that was actually an entertaining film and um, uh, enjoyable it sounds pretty awesome, especially since they stuck to their uh, source material, as you're saying. Yeah, I mean, they, they deviated a little bit. So, like, for example, okay, so they kept in, you know, trapped of Calypso on the island, being seduced by him. Uh, they didn't, you know, Poseidon was kind of messing with him a lot of the times in the original source material. And, you know, like, they open up the bag of winds and they get lost. And they kind of use other things to take the stead of that. Um, the, the character of uh, Cersei, although I'm pronouncing it right, I think it's actually Kirke, but I'm going to say Cersei because I'm... Uh, yeah, Cersei is how it's pronounced in English, I guess. In Greek, it's Kirki. Uh, so we'll go with Cersei because... Uh, I'm okay. <laughs> but, you know, she's in the film, but a slightly different character, you know? Uh, in this material, she does join the group. She's kind of treacherous, but still helps them. And those attitudes are with her character in this 
story, although she's a bit more self-sacrificing because, well, she sacrifices herself to the Kraken. Um, so I, I, I do feel like, uh, yeah, without having read much of Homer's Odyssey, is watching Troy the Odyssey a replacement for it? Well, no, but it's a good start to get you kind of visually visualizing the source material, I would say. Um, if, if anything, it's, and it's probably not the fault of the film per se, although it could use some editing is, you know, Odysseus, he had a 10 year journey. He did a lot of stuff on that journey. And, you know, right. this is only a 90 film. You can't portray all of it. If anything, though, one of the other faults of the film is I had a hard time believing that 10 years actually elapsed in this film uh, because the film would kept cutting away to his wife, uh, uh, Penelope, you know, hoping, mm-hmm. you know, all these suits, you know, they're not aging, they're not changing, they're sitting at the table still. So, you know, temporally, I feel like the film probably could have done that a little bit better because, okay. again, I know it's so years, but I didn't feel that, you know, it still felt like a, a maybe a month-long adventure. Um, but, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I, well, I kind of felt like he... It, it, to me, I thought Odysseus kind of like aged in the film, and so for me, I kind of read it at uh, he went ten years, but not necessarily the rest of the world because when he was headed back home, it seemed like they went into this almost like magical realm um, that to me kind of transported him, and he was gone for ten years, but in actuality, he wasn't gone that long with regards to his wife. But that, I, you But know. he was supposed to be gone for 10 years of life. That's why they're all, like, mm-hmm. pining, like, can you hear me marry us over already? Yeah. And I, one of the things that I actually thought they did a nice job with this film was to actually have strong female character types. It was still, you know, Odysseus's uh, journey, but it wasn't his alone um, insofar as, like, I'm going to say Cersei because that's easier for me to pronounce. But, you know, she was not just kind of a minor character. She is kind of a partner in his part of the adventure. And then on the flip side, we have Penelope, who is managing to come up with different ideas to basically uh, keep all these men at bay and not uh, – commit herself to one suitor, even though one of them was, like, very much trying to, you know, push her towards marriage. Uh, she is able to keep him at bay, and I think that's a testament to, you know, trying to create some strong female characters in the film. Um, so I kind of identified with that. Well, Cersei saves the day most of the time. She's the mm-hmm. one that frees them from Calypso. She's the one that, you know, stops the Kraken. Uh, she's the one that, you know, tells them how to avoid the sirens, but they disregard her uh, advice. Well, no, he takes it, but then, oh, then no, he just, he, no, that's right. He he didn't put the stuff in his ears, and so he listened to it, and then he finally, you yeah. know, I'm going to that island. But, um, you know, I, I think that for her, she, you know, she's at first uh, an enemy, and the fact that, um, they become friends. Uh, it, to me, it's like warrior to warrior. Uh, you know, lines uh, blur and uh, become unimportant in this new adventure. Hmm. 
how do they portray the gods in the movie? They're actually pretty absent. Uh, no, okay. They're actually portray- uh, I mean, King Agamemnon, you know, like sacrifices himself to the gods in order to summon the Kraken. Uh, okay. I, I guess the only god that they actually actually portray is Calypso. I mean, she's a goddess, right? Yes, yeah, she's a minor goddess. So, yes. Yeah, that's the only one they actually portray. She, uh, you know, they they portray her as a, you know, a seductress who falls in love with Odysseus. So she's actually the only visible god in the film. Um, all the other ones are absent or non-existent. Uh, I mean, they also portray a cyclops. Uh, the son of uh, Poseidon. So I guess, like, Cyclops isn't really a god. But, um, no, it's just Calypso that they portray. Okay, because uh, Circe like, was also a goddess. She was uh, one of Helios' daughters, the sun god, or the sun titan. But, yeah, in, in, the, in the the original text, in this one, though, she's actually a uh, a warrior for Troy. She's like an archer. And she actually uh, sniper shots Achilles through his foot, killing him. And then she gets taken prisoner, Odysseus, because, you know, the Kraken is chasing after him. So she first starts off as Odysseus' hostage. But then, you know, that, that, you know, uh, doesn't quite become Stockholm Syndrome or anything. They just kind of put aside their differences. Yeah, because they end up on this long adventure. And like uh, Odysseus, goes to the island of the sirens and she follows as and basically rescues him after like seven years <laughs> yeah after yeah, <laughs> some years have passed but but she's not a goddess in this so it, it could be that she just shares the name of the goddess Circe or it's the character re- I'm going to say it's the character reappropriated yeah okay Wow, yeah, it, uh, I, I these tales change over time anyway, because as tale tellers uh, tell them, they embellish them, uh, and that's happened uh, throughout time. So it, it sounds like they've stuck to the most ancient traditions and uh, changed the tale to become more relevant to the audience that's uh, uh, listening to it while preserving the elements that make it uh, an epic tale. The, the beginning is actually pretty good, too. They actually stick to the battle of the siege of Troy very well. You know, the Odysseus comes up with the plan to build the, uh, the, the, the statue that they all clamber in. And, you know, they have a pretty epic, uh, you know, peplum battle at the very beginning. You know, people are dying on steps as, as you're supposed to die in a peplum <laughs> battle. <laughs> well, and, and, they, and they add in some, some humor, like... Uh, you know, when they're trying to decide how they're going to storm Troy, somebody says, well, they really like statues. And so that's how they come up with the uh, the Trojan horses is because they're told that, well, these people really like statues, so this will appeal to his ego if you build this, this huge statue. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, but the, the, the film was so, a lot- Go ahead. I was just going to say, the film was made in 2017, um, and I actually don't know when, like, Troy came out and things like that. Mid, um, Mid-2000s, but there's been a couple other Troy slash Odyssey films since then as well, you know, of all kind of lower budgetness. Yeah. 
Um, but it, it is interesting that it, you know, it's not like it's right on the heels of the film Troy or 300. Um, but it's still trying to capitalize on them, though. Yeah. So I find that interesting that somebody said, hey, let's make a, a Peplum film, you know, even though there weren't other Peplum films necessarily within a year or two of, of this one. So I thought that's interesting, and I think that that uh, plays into what you said, Nick, uh, that there are a number of Peplum films uh, as part of the uh, Asylum catalog of films. And we will get through them all. <laughs> Sounds like a very noble uh, um, goal. As a scholar of the Neo-Peplum, when I smell an essay cooking, I've got to I gotta dive into it. <laughs> I've been unsuccessful now, in uh, reaching the website. The, their store appears to be closed. The last time I checked was I've been checking like once a week since you me- mentioned it, and I haven't yet been able to uh, uh, purchase anything from their website. And uh, Troy is difficult to find. Uh, um, I looked on both uh, Amazon and eBay, and uh, the outside of Region 1, there's plenty of them, but within Region 1, they're very difficult to find. Oh, that's so I'm questioning for, for that uh, at this particular point. In fact, I'm going to go there now as we're talking to see if, uh, if anything changed. Now, where did uh, you pick up? Uh... Yeah, no, we're per- currently performing scheduled maintenance. Yeah, it's down for us too, dude. No, I, I bought them directly from their website. Oh, okay. What what I did because some of them are not on Amazon. Like, uh, uh, yes. are they on Amazon? Surprisingly, kind of expensive. So, hmm. um, no, I, I bought I bought like this one from their website. Um, just out of curiosity, do we come across asylum films when we go to the cons down here? No. Oh, okay. They don't they don't do booths down here at all. No. Okay. They should. They're local. Well, yeah. Nope, Hercules is just going to keep trying, I guess. You, yeah, you I, I, will, I will succeed in my quest. I eventually find things. and uh, um, so, But uh, it's just that uh, uh, the normal channels uh, aren't working, so it makes an even more exciting quest. <laughs> and what you've um, shared will... uh, today has made this definitely worth uh, seeing. Because I was going in like, kind of like they redefined Hercules uh, to, uh, to a great extent. I liked what they did. Uh, and the actor that played uh, Hercules, it seems they've used him for Sinbad. They've used him for a bunch of other uh, things as well. So he's now part of their well, uh, acting stable. Well, we'll have to do Hercules maybe next month as our film to talk about. I, I will say that uh, Troy is available on Amazon. If you have Prime and you want to just watch it, um, it if you have a, a Prime account, you can watch it for free. Oh, great. I do have a Prime account. I hadn't even thought of that. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's we had had a conversation, I think. We had had a conversation, I think, about how uh, I, I and many others are uh, – those people like to physically hold things in their hand and uh, the web and the – you know, it, it, it's nice to watch things, but it's much better to have the freedom to watch it whenever you want. And uh, my experiences with a Kindle have shown me that this could disappear for a while for whatever reason. Then all of a sudden you have no access to anything that you have on your Kindle. Um, and then you eventually get it back. But uh, until you get it back, 
Uh, you can't read any of the books you're reading or watch any of the things you're watching. Oh, that's interesting. Now, it's funny that you mentioned about that because um, I did a podcast uh, recording yesterday through Fanbase Press. We were um, discussing Shadow of the Vampire uh, with John Malkovich and Wilhelm Defoe uh, from, okay. well, 20-year anniversary. And it so happens that um, Amazon had copies of the DVD, uh, but they were pretty pricey. Um, and uh, as a Prime uh, member, they did not have it available to stream. So uh, I was very glad. I mean, we are like you. We keep our films. We, you know, we have physical copies um, because we're always looking at stuff and reviewing and things like that and, you know, don't want to get caught with a digital copy that we then suddenly don't have available to us. Great minds think alike. Yeah. Now, side note, uh, you know, a month prior to this, Michelle did watch the Asylum Mummy movie. I don't know if she talked about that last time or not. Uh, I don't remember if we did or not. I'm trying to remember. What's the name of it? I know it's not on the... <laughs> I know it's not on the Asylum list, which is kind of interesting because on Wikipedia they have a... a Pretty lengthy list of their films, but um, Legion of the Dead. So Legion of the Dead. Oh yeah, I've you can seen still that talk one. about them. <laughs> okay, so you guys can talk about that one. Well, um, that sounds so, awesome. Yeah. This one was bad. This was awesomely bad, and I again yes. went in with open <laughs> mind, um, but. Uh, yeah, it just really was not very good. And and maybe it's because, you know, I'm passionate about source material. But um, I will tell you, this film is called Legion of the Dead. It's from 2005, um, produced by The Asylum. Uh, the one star, well, I think they may have some other stars. No, oh, yeah, so there's a couple. No, there's only one star. There's two. Let's be fair. Bruce. <laughs> Buck Leitner uh, is the sheriff. And then Zach Galligan is uh, Dr. Swatek. What a great name. And uh, so uh, <laughs> the synopsis basically <laughs> is, that, is that in ancient Egypt, uh, there was a queen, Nahtet, who ruled Egypt with an iron fist, terrorizing the populace and slaughtering her enemies. Upon her death, her body was cursed and buried in a secret location. Sounding a lot like the uh, Mummy movie from a few years ago. Uh Anyway, in modern day, an archaeological team uncovers her sarcophagus. In America! California! Yes, (laughs) I remember. In the desert California, of all places, um, and she is accidentally unleashed into the world. And among the team of experts opposing her is Molly, our heroine, uh, who is a young woman who finds herself pitted against the uh, the queen uh, in a final battle against the forces of darkness, which sounds pretty good on paper. <laughs> on paper. <laughs> on paper. But it's, it is. It's, it's interesting. It's, it, I think it was 
actually filmed north of L.A., like towards the Lancaster area or something like that. Oh, yeah, at a rundown motel. We, we Googled yeah. that one. Yeah, rundown motel. And um, it was, uh, they spent a lot of time basically kind of tearing down our heroine as not a very uh, reliable uh person because of her inability or her lack of judgment of sleeping with a couple of guys and um, which is usually the person's undoing because uh oh they've had you know questionable uh, sexual relations uh, outside of marriage but instead she she is fine uh, but her younger sister is a virgin, and so the, the queen decides, oh, she is going to become the, the sacrifice to finish this, this uh, ceremony that the, the queen needs to, to, to finish. And um, so anyway, death ensues from all sorts of angles, and most people die, <laughs> but uh, a couple people do live. Um, yeah, the cover is really something. Um, it has this pharaoh with glowing eyes, um, nothing like the queen uh, that we see through the rest of the film. But uh, we do see lots of mummies uh, basically uh, lumbering very quickly through this very rundown motel. Um, so it, it, if anything, it's, it's fun. You know what, though? Yes, I, I, I remembered it, and, I, and it made me think of uh, Steve Martin's song, you know, about King Tut, you know. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, the, if this movie does succeed in one thing, though, it, it does anticipate, like, a female villainous mummy as the main antagonist, which, right. you know, beats That's the time by, like, 12 years. That is true, yeah. Yes, uh, the um, Asylum just, does a lot of knockoff movies, either in a timely way or not timely way. And and and, and again, I've enjoyed them all. Uh, some were good and some were not so good, but uh, uh, they entertain, and I guess that's their purpose. Yeah, you know. So and and this is so this is the um, movie that I'm planning to uh, talk about in my uh, paper. Uh, that I'll be writing. Uh, I did see, I did happen to notice that the budget for this film was about 500000 um, and that is supposedly the same budget for Troy, uh, the Odyssey. So um, maybe that's about kind of their budget on these. Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't say um, how much it made. I'd be kind of curious, though, because some of these have to make some money. Otherwise, they wouldn't be doing them. I guess maybe the Sharknados well, uh, films. You have to realize, though, a lot of these are direct-to-video and direct-to-sci-fi channel. Mm-hmm. So they're, but, you know what they make is basically what their commission was on this. Mm-hmm. Because sci-fi channel is just going to turn out and you know, get paid through advertisers and whatnot. So a lot of these I don't think you can measure the success on how much did it make. Mm-hmm. Well, I will say, though, that um, I did notice that one of their uh, series that's on um, sci-fi, which I believe has been also shown on Netflix, is Z Nation. 
And that actually is not a bad show. I I think I saw the first season of this. That was an asylum release? I, I wasn't even aware of that. Yeah, that's the production company. Um, it's, yeah, and actually it's a pretty decent show. I have to put it on my um, list now, things to things to watch. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I, I do believe that it is um, it is on Netflix. Um, I think the I saw the first two seasons, and I think the third one has was released recently. So, yeah, uh, but this is the obviously Z for for zombies. So, but yeah, that's, that's were, actually a competent. There were several movies of uh, mummies being uh, in this country, including Bubba Hotep, which uh, was fun. Now, okay, I'm going to stand by Bubba Hotep. It's not like they went digging and found Bubba Hotep's, like, pyramid underground, you know. Right, they right. Left that one. I mean, they kind of left it open that, you know, his body was brought over and all that fun stuff. But, yeah, Bubba Hotep, that, that's a masterpiece of a film. Well, and I've actually written about that one for Fanbase Press when I talked about um, the representation of ageism in that film. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm talking about, you know, the the uh, retirement homes, the, you know, just kind of left without your relatives and just kind of an interesting statement about uh, as we get older in that, that entire system. Um, our cultural and social system of growing old in this country. It's a very good film. It's also about two kings fighting, King Tut versus the King of Rock. <laughs> very well and emphatically <laughs> said, Nicholas. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, President Kennedy... Hello? Are you still there? Hello? Yeah, I'm still here. I thought we got cut oh, off. Okay. Are, you, are you still there? Yes. We're yes, at the we end of here. our time together today. The time uh, passes uh, very, very uh, quickly. Um, so uh, any new projects uh, for either of you on the uh, near horizon? Um, well, yeah, I can uh, just pimp uh, for a moment. I have... Uh, restarted my Michelle's musings on mummies. Resurrected. Awesome. <laughs> Resurrected. In America too. <laughs> and it's in too. That's correct. Um, so I started that back up at the beginning of the year, and um, back to posting a new entry every week, trying to do a mix of uh, you know short, uh, quick like you know, interesting photos to lengthier essays. Um, and in fact, Nick and I are going to go to a Egypt uh, exhibition at the Ronald Reagan uh, Library in a couple of weeks. So I'll be awesome. talking about that. In, um, this past week, we were at uh, Long Beach Comic Expo, and I found some magazines. 
uh, with mummy-related uh, material, so I had a post on that. Um, so that's what, what I'm kind of focused in on at the moment. I can't think of anything else at the moment other than our and rat stuff. Yeah, and on my end, I think the last time we talked was mid-December, and I was working on my gladiator slash industrial sampling essay, and well, that's been completed and sent off to my editor, so I'm just waiting for feedback. So that was a big accomplishment to get that off. So I'll have a, you know, a new – yeah. So later this uh, year, I'll have what two new Neopeplum essays uh, published. Um, and then Michelle and I are indexing our horror literature book. We're about two-thirds of the way done, so we're in the home stretch for that. And Fantastic. Yeah, Trying to get through a mountain of other projects. <laughs> uh, can I can I promote something real quick, like? Uh, of course you can. Sure. Okay, I just I just wanted to mention to the viewer or to the listeners that uh, the uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs they will be starting uh, to publish new stories that take place within the canon of Burroughs universe. Um, those should be starting to be released either this month or maybe it's in next month or March. Uh, but for those that are interested in the Burroughs stories, uh, particularly um, the one on Mars, um, and John, Carter. John Carter on Mars and some of the other series, um, there are new stories coming. So I just wanted to give a shout-out to them. Um, they're a really good group of people, and I'm very anxious to read their their new stories that are going to be coming out. I'm looking forward to that as well. I'm a big Burroughs fan. Unfortunately, when I tried reading Burroughs the last uh, couple of times, uh, it didn't get uh, very far. And uh, the same started happening with Lynn Carter, which saddens me. I made it through the Thongor series, uh, but that was it. <laughs> I got saturated mm-hmm. uh, with it. Um, but it, it's really great to have new stories come out. I'll definitely check them out. Yeah. Um, and I'll be doing a review of some uh, uh, Moon Maiden uh, comics very, very soon as well. Oh, fantastic. That is awesome. I'm looking forward to that. And I want to thank you both. You're awesome people doing awesome things. And uh, I'm greatly honored uh, that uh, we had this uh, chat and caught up with each other today. Uh, Nicholas, I hope you feel uh, better. And uh, Michelle, I'm glad that the uh, Michelle's Musing on Mummies is uh, up and running again. Thank you so much, Hercules. I hope you have a wonderful evening and a fantastic week. We appreciate you having us on. We hope you have a great week this week. Thank you, the same to you, and I appreciate uh, your being on. And the gods of static and turbulence of the airwaves uh, gave us a good hour, so I'm grateful to them as well. Um, Thanks to everybody for listening. Until next time, this is all of us wishing all of you joyous journeys and amazing adventures. for listening to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network. Join us seven nights a week for exciting programming covering a variety of expressions of faith. And remember, all manifestations of the divine are equally valid.